All Aboard by Lynn Patty. I am standing on a train platform. It feels good to be here in this familiar place. People are chatting excitedly around me. The arrival and departure board glows above me. I've done this seven other times, and I feel pretty confident if I'm being honest. I've prepared for this trip. I've arranged for this trip, and I'm ready. My little suitcase is loyally sitting next to my leg, meticulously packed and gone over. My purse is filled with my ticket, my gum, my book, my chapstick. I have everything I need. Waiting for the usual rumble of my arriving train, I casually glance at my watch to check the time, then grab my phone from my back pocket to check my unread texts. Admittedly, I've had to pump myself up a bit this time around, because being the seventh time I've made this trip, I need a little motivation to feel excited. I'm a little tired, a little overwhelmed. I had some hesitation a few weeks ago. Should I even still be doing this? A twinge of doubt had crept in but I shoved it out of my mind in favor of the familiar tracks I've been on over and over again. Sure, it might be hard, but it's the hard I know. The train chugs in right on time. I step on, lugging my suitcase behind me. I take a deep breath and I find my seat. As I settle in, the ticketing, as I settle in, the ticketing agent comes by. I shuffle in my purse for my prepaid ticket. I hand it over as the train pulls out of the station. Here we go. He hands me back my ticket and bluntly says, you're on the wrong train. I'm sorry, what? The wrong train after all this preparation? No, that can't be right. You're on the wrong train, buddy. I barely stifle an eye roll as I look at my ticket to figure out what's going on. My eyes widen as I make the shocking leap of understanding. I am indeed on the wrong train. Get me out of here and onto the right train. Quick, there's no time to lose. Where's this train even headed? How much work will it take to make it right? I don't have time for this. How did I get on the wrong train? I know how to do this. I've done it so many times before. How in the world did I get on the wrong train? I stand and yell at the ticketing agent without even thinking, stop. Ma'am, please. The conductor knows exactly where we're headed, and I'm sure he'll get us there safe and sound. If I were you, I'd sit down and enjoy the scenery. Sit down? Enjoy the scenery? He seems so nonchalant about this. I need to get on the right train now. Confusion and fear have quickly replaced the common confidence I had experienced mere moments before when I stood on the platform. I consider all options, pounding on the door, screaming to anyone who would listen, scrambling to find and yell at the conductor. But in the end, feeling helpless and powerless, I decide to follow the advice given. Slowly, I sit back down. I guess there's not a whole lot to be done now that the train is chugging along. It may be headed toward an unknown location, but wherever we're going is my new destination. I look out the window at the blur of scenery whizzing by. The grip on my ticket is shaky, and my breaths come shallow and fast. I weep at the realization. I won't be on a known journey anymore. I don't know where I'm going, and all the bravado I previously had in my ability to navigate familiar terrain is gone. The course has changed, and at this point, I'm not in any position to resist it. My only option is to trust the conductor will help me get where I need to be. It feels like a death 
and I don't like it. I had seven years of homeschooling under my belt. Some years I taught my children with a tiny infant on my lap or with a toddler asking for snacks every few seconds. Some years I taught with nausea as my companion, another baby growing in my belly. Some years included field trips and playdates. Some years involved tears and throwing books across the schoolroom. Some years were marked by scintillating world travel and learning on the go. All of it was ours. All of it had been my masterclass in allowing God to lead and guide and for me to get out of the way. I had become confident I could teach my kids at home, regardless of all the extenuating circumstance of any particular year. We started this year like normal. New books on the shelf, new routines penciled into my planner. Except it wasn't going normally. This year was different. I was breaking down. My confidence was failing. The demands of the last seven years of homeschooling and 12 years of mothering had brought me to a low place. My body was physically weak and unhealthy. My mind was hyper-focused on managing our home, meal plans, school plans, laundry plans, cleaning plans. My doctor told me I had to lower my stress and focus on my health because my blood work had come back with heightened levels of cortisol and inflammatory markers. Our days were a mess of five kids going in five different directions. My husband, usually supportive and helpful, seemed resigned that he would lose his wife to homeschooling yet another year. I had so much underlying anger and frustration. Maybe it was the three years of interrupted sleep, too much coffee, too much sugar. No, it was deeper. I couldn't handle loud noises or bright lights or even too much touch. I was at burnout level and I felt like there was no recourse. I knew continuing in this way was not healthy, but I couldn't stop it. I got on the train anyway, following what I knew. I began year eight homeschooling my kids in seventh, fourth, and second grades with our three and one-year-old little tagalongs following behind. Here we go. I started year eight, day six of homeschool with every intention of keeping everyone on task and learning. Instead, by noon, all my kids were completely discouraged, hadn't learned a thing, and were running into the backyard to escape from me. Meanwhile, I was crying, yelling, and panicking because somewhere in my soul, I knew I could not muscle together 166 more days of school like this. I felt like I had made the completely wrong decision to begin homeschooling this year. I didn't know what to do except cry and yell and fight and resist. I am a homeschool mom. That is who I am. Stop changing everything. Then I sensed a gentle urging from God. Do you trust me? Do you really trust me? Are you just giving me lip service when you say, I am thine, O Lord, or will you actually let go of it all and know that I will never leave you or forsake you? When I tell you that my plans are for your good, do you just nod along, but secretly know you will try to rely on your own strength and cleverness to keep going? You cannot any longer. Trust me. Rely on me. I will bring you into a place that you can't even imagine right now. This territory I am about to conquer for you will blow your mind. My resistance to this gentle urging was epic. I was very strong and very clever after all. I knew God was more than capable of caring for me, fully. I recognized his call to pursue greater wholeness and health. Going back to the familiar and comfortable path I'd been on wasn't possible anymore because I was on empty, 
we had to find a new way forward. Logistically, this looked like sending our three older kids to school, like a real school, full-time. My husband and I researched schools on the afternoon of year eight, day six of homeschooling and settled on one quickly. In the next few weeks, we did a family interview, paid the fees, and bought the kids new clothes. The homeschool pajama uniform wouldn't fly in this new setting. The kids started their classes at the end of September. With the older kids at school, I spent the first month recovering from the breakdown. I held my little ones, read to them, and took them for walks. When the older three came home each day, I held them and made them snacks and listened to them. Many mornings after the older kids were gone, I caught up with my husband who works from home. I listened to him as he processed deep things and he listened to me while I did the same. The little ones played with toys together knowing mama and daddy were close by. I cried a lot. I dug into my Bible whenever I had the chance and I napped almost every day. The second month, I began to feel a little better. I began a 100-day workout plan right in my living room. It felt good to move and strengthen my weary body. My little ones did the workouts too. My three-year-old does burpees better than me. I had my blood work redone during that second month and all my levels were back to normal. My doctor said it was the best she's ever seen my levels in three years. Besides that, I realized my three-year-old daughter needed more discipline, so I created boundaries for her and stuck to them because I had the time, space, and ability to follow through. My one-year-old son's language blossomed, and we found success with meaningful communication rather than barely enduring his wordless screaming as we had for the previous 18 months. I cried a little less often. I still napped many days and went to bed early. My early morning Bible reading became an absolute necessity. I began to feel less like I was about to break and more like I was being built up gently from the inside out. Month three revealed moments of actual joy for our family. There were successes for my kids at school as they grew to understand their classroom systems, form new friendships, discovered new passions. I started laughing again, actual belly laughing with the kids, with my husband and with my friends. The breakdown of year eight, day six was a faded memory now, and I relished the new normal we were all experiencing. We just finished month four. I begin each day in the Bible. I literally open my hands when I begin reading to signal that I'm ready for whatever God has for me. My husband and I are more emotionally connected and prioritize each other more than we've been able to manage in years. The life of our family is ever moving and changing, of course. We still have to deal with sibling squabbles, kids sneaking snacks, and our near teenager viewing too much YouTube. But despite the ups and downs, I know I'm on the right train. In this season, I have complete assurance that the new journey we find ourselves on is exactly where we need to be. I am confident, not in my own strength or ability, but in God and his care for my family, and perhaps even more profoundly, his care for me. He is trustworthy. Our family is all aboard. Lynn, thank you so much for reading this essay that you wrote for our community. I am Emily Allen, the host of the Kinder Mom podcast, and I am grateful to be able to have a conversation with you, just a little bit of a mom chat, so to speak. Um, and I'd love to ask you a few questions if you're up for it. Totally up for it. Thank you, Em. Thanks for having me. 
So I'd love to know what is one of your personal strengths or secret mama superpower? Well, I find a lot of help in making to-do lists and I do it in the morning often before the real swing of the day starts and I write down the stuff that has to get done and I'm telling you that stuff gets done. If it's on that to-do list on that morning, it's going to get done and I'm good at keeping that focus through the day of you know, what needs to, what needs to happen in our home for everybody to function right. (laughs) So do you have just a list for yourself or is it a list for each person in your house? Usually it starts with me brainstorming the things that I need to do. Like for example, if, um, a lot of times I like to start dinner in the morning. So it's just like off my plate at four 30 when everybody's like, I'm hungry. So like (laughs) a to-do list might look like, you know, 10 AM start the chicken or whatever. Um, but then before long it trickles into what the kids have to do, especially as I'm thinking about, um, the logistical stuff that has to happen in the house, like, uh, uh, emptying trashes or, um, sweeping or whatever that is that always ends. I was like, okay, Emma can do that. And Noah can do that. And, you know, so inevitably it goes to all everybody's to-do list. Hmm. Well, great. Well, that is a good skill to learn. I do to-do lists for myself, Mm -hmm. but I find that in some seasons I make a really long to-do list. It's just not feasible. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Like I feel like the the last couple of days I had the best intentions to get everything done on my list and I got nothing done. (laughs) I fed everyone and I had some snuggle time, but that's as far as we got. And those were not on the list. Well, you know what? That's probably the second, the second thing I'm good at, or the second thing to mention is like when to throw it out the window, right? Yep. For sure. Well, what would you say is your favorite and least favorite household chores? Okay. So my favorite household chores, it really is doing the dishes after dinner. I absolutely love cleaning up my kitchen after dinner. Now it has an, it has a caveat. Yep. It has a caveat, which is that no kids are in there with me. Um, (laughs) My kids um, empty the dishwasher at, you know, it's always somebody's job to do that. And so uh, they'll do that. And usually that's to like get a dessert or a treat. So sorry, that's probably not the best thing, but whatever, it's the way we work. So they like clear the table and they empty the dishwasher if it needs to be emptied. And then I just get to like do all the rest of the stuff. I get to put the stuff in the dishwasher the way I like it. And I get to clean off the counters and I get to like scrape off the sink and like, Oh, I just, I love that part. And our sink has like a, a big window. And yeah. so I get to like, just look at that while I do it. And it's amazing. Nice. <laughs> well, I do not share those sentiments. I actually <laughs> really despise doing the dishes, but I always feel like it might just be the kitchen that I have. And you know, my kitchen is just so hard yeah. for the size family we have and the quantity of food that goes through it. I really do feel like I have to be in there an hour every mealtime right. to reset everything, clean it up, put it away, clear this counter space so that I can make the meal. Like I can't do so many things simultaneously. It's just so cumbersome. So I, yeah, it's not my favorite, but I still do it and we get through it. Yeah. My least favorite. um, Well, I have another favorite is organization. I really, really like to organize and like get spaces into like a good place. Yeah. I'm not sure what my least favorite is, is. It probably has to do though with making dinner or like the meal planning stuff. I love shopping. That's I think I, I think it's actually probably bringing in your garden bins from your street. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
so we have to tell them what happened. We have to yes. tell everybody. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Emily and the Kindred Mom team were all at my house in February. And my <laughs> kids, I got my kids out. My older ones went with my husband on like a special trip. So yeah. the older kids are always in charge of carrying in our garbage bins. And because we have a pretty extensive property, we have 13 bins and they're big. They're like the dumpster ones. They're big. Yeah. So I just said to Em, For leaves and trimmings. Yes. Yeah. We have two recycle, one, what is it? No, we have one recycle, two trash, and then nine or whatever, 10 other ones, garden ones. Yeah. So I was like, hey, Em, I just have to bring the bins in real quick. Like 45 minutes later, I came inside and I was like, oh my gosh, that's the worst chore ever. I'm like, I can't even believe I made my kids do that. That was so hard. Yeah, and we literally, so we make them do it every week because we're like, we will not be the family that like hires, do they hire people to take in your bins for you? I'm like, no, we will not. And I'm that like, so oh funny. my gosh, I can't believe I'm dying on my sword for this. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> There you go. I answered your question for you. <laughs> all, all right. Last question. How do you find, create, or cultivate peace in your home? I turn on the TV. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, honestly, we really, my kids and I, we really connect over watching shows. And it's just, it's a very happy thing. And, and we, I'm careful about what they watch. But the truth is, when we all sit down and have a movie night, it is just our favorite thing. Everybody loves a movie yeah. night. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I think that's perfectly fine. I may not be the kosher answer or whatever, the PC answer. <laughs> that's but, right. Um, that's right. I think it's great. And, you know, we, we use screens pretty um, extensively at our house, just my husband being in tech. And we have... Yeah. We have computers. We have, like, lots of different ways they can... I just try to limit earlier in the day yes just because it's just so hard on our whole family dynamic if they're like stuck on a screen they don't listen they don't hear what i'm saying it's true and then when we turn it off it's like zombie kids and i don't like that either so um yeah, yeah we've just been later in the day it seems to work for us as well i totally agree with you like i know my my third my three-year-old will lose it if i put shows on before like before she takes her nap, you know? Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Lynn. Love you a lot. And Love you too, Em. Talk to you soon. Okay.